This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Our third and final episode with David, who is uh, speaking to us about uh, religious persecution Uh, sharing his life story, which I have been very inspired by. I hope you have as well. And uh, as always, we want to give you the tools so you can do something about uh, injustices right where you are and help create a just society right in your own neighborhood, in your own area. And that's the purpose of this final episode is David and I are going to give... um, uh, tools, practical things that you can do to help out uh, right where you are. Um, But as we begin, David, and welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Do you see hope of an end to religious persecution? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, Seems like there is no hope for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But no, I don't think if we can give up... um, even though it seems like it, that there is no hope stopping that. But uh, I'm sure time and education uh, would tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And keeping that hope alive. Uh, and we'll talk more later in this episode, because I know a point you brought up in our meetings together, it was very valid where the starting point is and that was a challenge uh, definitely to me now let's have a conversation uh with each other about something that's kind of a tough subject to to approach that is what's the root cause of religious persecution you know i believe firmly that if you want to really stop something you got to get to the root of it like if you got weeds in your yard you want to get to the root of those weeds not just clip the top of the weed off and uh what do you think let's just have a conversation right now what do you think is the root cause of religious persecution well i don't think if anybody knows that uh, yeah doesn't seem like it is clear because um any pockets of people and extremists can choose something that they want to fight against. Yeah. And uh, they don't have any explanations why they want to fight. And a lot of us don't even understand why there is such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you're right. on. I think it may be power, but it's not necessarily just power. It could be anger. And it seems like, like you said, different reasons like Hitler blamed the Jews you end up blaming Russia and Poland too. Uh, it seems like the 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 terrorists in the Middle East blame America, so it's always changing. I guess for the re for that, 
my guess for me, you can let me know what you think as part of it is we see ourselves as separate. We don't, we fail to see the unity between us as humans. And so we see the other person as other than me. Um, we're made in God's image, but I may not see you that way. You're just another body to dispose of at will. Yeah. That's a tough one. So maybe it starts here in the heart. Definitely. Yeah. I was wanting to bring it home here to America. And I know we have listeners that listen in other countries. You can apply it to your own country. But I know in America, there's been religious persecution, even though we're known as a nation that accepts all religions. The fact is, the Mormons have a very high population in Utah and Idaho simply because the U.S. government exiled the, the Mormons to Utah. Uh, the Catholics in the 1800s were, uh, had their homes taken from them for being Catholic. They had their jobs taken from them. You have groups like the Knights of Columbus, Father Michael McGivney, who arose to help meet the needs of those families who had lost their jobs homes. You have Catholics being deported to Europe. Uh, so it's not like America has been innocent throughout history. We've had our share of religious persecution here, but now it's a little bit more subtle. As I talked to you before, like a snake sitting in the bushes that you don't see and it's too late when it strikes. It's a little bit more subtle now. Maybe people don't uh, get hired for a job because of their beliefs. They're not told it's because of that reason, but that's the reason why the employer chose it. Which is why we have laws against that. Uh, maybe people are distanced in a neighborhood because of their religious beliefs. It's more subtle, but it's just as dangerous because it still creates that same separation. But uh, what are some ideas you have of how people can create an environment of religious justice where they are? Well, other than the religious by itself, I think um, I think important thing is that we are all human, mm-hmm. and we need to look at each other regardless of our belief system, uh, nationality, or color. And uh, try and come up with ideas that how we can actually create unity. We cannot accept others to do it for us. It starts from every single person, out mm-hmm. there, ourself. And uh, it starts uh, from um, in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And then it expands to you know, family members and mm-hmm. relatives and neighbors. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask this before we get into a deeper discussion on the practicalities, but... I'm thinking in terms of what can people do to prevent a violent revolution either here in America or wherever people are listening from, what country they're listening from. How can you prevent happening here what happened in Iran? Hmm. That's another um, good question that it is difficult to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that uh, the roots of all issues uh, start from uh, not accepting each other Mm -hmm. 
and uh, that causes friction and anything any negative energy that it is generated and has a spark it definitely will uh, expand and mm -hmm. get worse until somebody uh, or some organization have an idea to look at the whole thing as a positive um, view and that's the only way that mm -hmm. uh, i would think that we can create something that it is more constructive versus mm -hmm. being destructive yeah now I want to digress a little bit. So before the revolution in Iran, what do you see any mistakes that the Persian people may have made that could brought on this revolution? Well, I was uh, very young, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But um, I heard that um, there is a saying, it says that, you know, um, you get bored when you have too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> or you hate it yeah. or something. Yes. That's um, what was happening there. People just had everything, all the technology anywhere on the planet Earth. We had it in Iran. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, lots of money in the country, uh, not a problem. So they thought, that is, this is what I heard, that they thought that if they change the country government into something else, they may even be more successful and be more have more wealth or be more free. I don't know what other freedoms they, what they were lacking. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, it seems to be here in America. I hear as I watch the news and hear people talking, it seems that people are even having that same conversation here. People are, are clamoring for a different form of government that will be better than the one we have now. But you're saying they thought the same thing only to end up with a nightmare on their hands. That's right. I think because anything like this happens is then it goes south is because they don't have a proper foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, they need to know, uh, we all need to know even in our personal life that what is the foundation of our life? Mm -hmm. uh, what are we trying to promote? And what do we like to see out there? Whatever we want to see out there, we need to be, be it first mm -hmm. to generate that otherwise if we will be always expecting others to do it for us oh yes and i think that's where we get in some trouble too looking to the government to that's do right. things for us and then that's when the government loves to take over more than willing for the invitation now i don't like the term religious tolerance i hear that a lot religious tolerance i don't like the term religious tolerance because it sounds like i'm just putting up with your views I still think you're an idiot, but I'll put up with it. <laughs> what do you see, David, as the difference between religious tolerance and true religious justice? Well, as you explained, um, you know, tolerance means that um, you see another person ha having a different belief or having a different nation nationality or color. Deep inside, you don't really like them, mm -hmm. you know, but oh, you just yeah. tolerate them yeah. for the time being. And that's not really uh, good. That's not going to generate any mm -hmm. positive yeah. energy. And um, what was the second word that you mentioned? Re religious justice or acceptance. Acceptance, yeah. yes. Versus acceptance is something that you truly and with your heart do believe 
the difference that there is between you and somebody else mm-hmm. and accept them for who they are and what they believe in, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot harder to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do uh, get to that point, mm-hmm. it just makes it so much easier to mm-hmm. be okay and be yeah. at Right. Being in a society where you accept everyone. Yeah, and I have friends and family from all different kinds of uh, faith traditions and religious views, political views, whatever. Then uh, the way I've come to accept them is I've stopped asking the question, what do you believe, uh, change the question to why do you believe it. Once I've learned why somebody believes something, then it helps me understand that, oh, they're not a jerk. <laughs> They're a person who arrived the same way I did at certain things. You know, their their life experiences, their mentors, whatever, brought them to a point and, you know, where they, they saw truth and, and accepted it. And so, yeah, you know, that's something I've heard you bring up in all three episodes is this idea of listening and learning. That's right. Listening and learning. And this... Uh, being recorded at a Catholic radio station, Pope Francis just constantly hammers away at that. Listen, learn, sit down with each other, talk, get to know each other as humans. You'll find out you have the same dreams. Uh, a guy in the Baha'i faith dreaming of being married, kids retired by 30, and a kid from the Christian faith dreaming the same thing. Right? I mean, you find out we're all human after all. Uh, but let's get into some more practical things. Let's say somebody lands in your neighborhood who has come from another country. They were being persecuted. They came here. Either they escaped here or they came here just hoping for a better life. What can you do as a listener uh, to this podcast? What can you do? I was thinking just some practical things as uh, take them into your home. Uh, you know, you came here alone. You didn't have any family here, no language. So maybe helping them learn the language. Uh, you were telling me, uh, earlier that, uh, you, you best learn English just in conversation, right? Because English doesn't go by the rules very well for every rule. There's 20 exceptions in English. And so helping them learn English uh, what are some other practical things maybe that helped you or that you wish had happened when you came here? Um, well, m- for me personally, I wish if I did know the language better when I came to the United States, I probably would have been more successful mm-hmm. than taking me you know, several years um, to learn, then feel comfortable so you can learn things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking, too, an idea we were talking about earlier uh, when we arrived here today. We were just talking in the back room, and we were talking about the idea of people having a dinner at their home and just getting people in their neighborhood that have different views, different religious backgrounds, maybe come from different countries, just sitting down at dinner together, just hanging out, (laughs) getting to know each other. Uh, but definitely when somebody lands here, they do not know anything. I'm helping a young woman in another country migrate to America. 
I'm not helping her physically migrate here, but just giving her guidance because she really wants to figure it out on her own. But what I've realized in the conversations I've had with her is that she doesn't have a clue about America. The things I take for granted, she doesn't. Even when we will do Zoom meetings with each other, I noticed with her English, I have to correct her English to try to understand what it is she's trying to say to me. Uh, she doesn't have any idea how to fill out certain forms, things that seem automatic to me. So yeah, just those little things. And so when somebody comes here, maybe just asking them, what are you, where are you stuck? What do you want? That's right. Tell me the little things. Uh, how do I get a job in America? How do I, uh, get, with, people who've lived here all life, we know how to get a job here. May not be able to know how to land a job, but we know how to go look for a job. Um, yeah, just those little things. How do you apply to university in America? Yeah. Well, well I would, uh, first thing I would do if I have a neighbor who is just new to the country, well, first of all, I will welcome them. Mm-hmm and uh, explain to them uh, about all the opportunities that there are in this country mm-hmm. to uh, you know, develop life and uh, making a better future here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my encouragement to a lot of newcomers have been that you need to learn the language first. If uh, you are not learning the language, it is going to be very difficult for you to mm-hmm. communicate and get a job that it requires a lot of like details on things that if your boss explains to you and you don't get it, makes it difficult. So first thing you need to do, um, you know, learn the language well and use the opportunities. I have seen people who come to this country, but they don't use the opportunities. Either nobody encouraged them or they didn't know about it or Mm -hmm. they didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, I personally have taken over that and I always check with anyone who I meet that they're new, new to this country, I encourage them to, you know, become somebody here in this society where mm-hmm. you are a role model to others uh, because you have seen the opportunity and you have gotten yourself an education or a good job, uh, something that, uh, you know, changed your life, mm-hmm. made it better coming here. Yeah. Otherwise, if you live here the same way that you live in your own country, just go back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... I want to break that down into two conversations right now. So, cause we're giving listeners tools to help people with who are experiencing that persecution or coming here for a better life. Uh, what have you found out is the best way to help people learn English? Uh, if there are classes available, that would be great. I attended a lot of uh, English classes uh, when I was new to the country. Mm-hmm. And that helped a lot. Um, for me personally, um, I learned a lot of slangs by watching TV programs. Oh, Because okay. when they say something, you can also see their facial expression. Mm-hmm. You kind of understand it better, what oh, that sentence okay. means. Because if you look at the dictionary, <laughs> and if you translate every single word in your language, it mm-hmm. could mean something totally completely different. No, <laughs> completely okay. different. Yeah. That's a good idea. But I, for me, it worked the best because mm-hmm. I can see facial expression. 
Yeah. And here the whole sentence and the way it is pronounced. Mm-hmm. Makes yeah, a I'm currently learning Hindi, oh, well. the language of India, so I watch Indian movies. Here we go. In Hindi. Hindi, and I make sure I don't have subtitles on in English, so that way I am forced to hear the Hindi language and, like you said, see their facial expressions. Now, uh, the other thing you had talked about is the opportunities. Now, those of us who've lived in America our whole life, we may actually not know the opportunities because everything's so automatic to us. So what opportunities are available in America from your perspective? As uh, we all know, uh, there are so many countries uh, out there that they don't have any schools. The government is so poor that in a lot of villages mm-hmm. or a small town, you can't find a school. Mm-hmm. You can't even learn how to read and write. Imagine uh, getting a degree in something. And then uh, versus this country in the U.S., m- almost every place that you go, there is a college or a university or learning institute, something. And I think these are golden opportunities for anyone uh, who need to learn more, mm-hmm. they can go to. Okay. Very good. Now, uh, I can't believe it, but we've arrived at the end of this conversation. Uh, I think we could keep going, but it's been a privilege to do this three-part series with you, and I thank you for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Is there any final word you'd like to leave with listeners? I would say that um, if you want to live a happy life, and uh, feel uh, like you're worthy of something really big is to work toward work toward something that will bring uh, more happiness to your friends and others versus just for yourself. Mm. And it is that anything that you can think of, uh, anyone that you know, if they have a particular talent that uh, you think that this can make them successful, uh, encourage them. Encourage them, tell them, you know, I see that talent in you. You probably will be very successful if you pursue this and that. Uh, If we all do that, I mean, can you imagine what our next generation would be like? Oh, that would be amazing. I've got a friend that constantly bemoans the fact that many people are in the wrong careers. The wrong people are at the top and the wrong people are at the bottom and so on because very few people are actually using their full skills and potential. And I would like to, uh, again, thank you for this great privilege to have you on as a guest. And I just want to say to our listeners, my final word is just simply love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And do not make a distinction between who your neighbor is. Jesus commanded us love your enemy he also said love your neighbor gk chesterton said jesus taught us to love our neighbor and to love our enemy probably because they're the same person (laughs) but uh humor aside love your neighbor and and accept everyone just as you wish to be accepted love everyone just as you wish to be loved And then you will truly begin creating a truly good and healthy society. If you want to contact David for speaking or anything else, feel free to email us at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. 
And again, thank you so much. And we hope you have a great day as you create a just society right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.